Welcome to the MJ Strainer Podcast. Oh God, I'm here. What's well, been a slow, slow time in sports. Oh my God. But hey, NBA season's going on. At some point, I can start doing my award winners. Because I've totally been paying attention and have a complete idea and concept of what's going on. <laughs> but hey, there have been a couple things in basketball that are worth mentioning. As of in, and also in football, which I mean, you know, we'll get into both of those as well. Well, both sports. I guess it's a few topics for both of them. I don't know how you guys have been. I've been pretty spectacular, honestly. Just watch the Cavs get freaking punched in the mouth by the Warriors like Steph Curry was playing us in the finals. Like, Actually, he played better than he would have if this would have been the finals. Just saying. Anyways, so I guess I'll talk about that for a second at the end of the podcast because I'll just vent because I'm, I'm fresh off. Like the game ended like five minutes ago. So I'm like, you know, really just kind of fuming from that still. But we're going to start with football, obviously. Don't have a mock draft. I think next week we'll start the mock drafts for me. Because at that point, eh, things will be a little bit more clear. But even then, things are already relatively clear. You know? Like, Trevor Lawrence is going first. After that, there's no clue. But (laughs) it doesn't matter. But... To kick off the start of the show, I'm going to talk about J.J. Watt. You know, J.J. Watt was cut a few days ago, and already the pot is stirring. So basically every team has contacted him. I think it was about half the league has, uh, which is no surprise, obviously. But the four teams that showed the most interest are the Steelers, Titans, Bills, and my Cleveland Browns, which is fantastic. I'd love to have J.J. Watt. But more recent reports that I saw like this morning, you know, so pretty recent, showed Packers and Browns are kind of like the two who are pursuing him the most. You know, for Browns fans, I don't understand how someone couldn't want J.J. Watt, right? People were like, he's old and injury prone. He's washed up. Well, no one said we're signing him to a $40 million deal, bro. Like, if the price is right for J.J., that's perfect, bro. We need a D-end. He's a great guy in the locker room, a great leader, set an example for the young guys, veteran experience. That's perfect. Why would I not want him? Plus, he's going to draw attention from opposing teams. He's still going to be a guy who can help a lot with putting pressure on the quarterback and stopping the run and even getting to the passer most of the time. But the big thing is just drawing attention away from Miles and saying, hey, they have a game wrecker on the other side. We have to we have to look at him too because you know, there will be plays where you have three guys on Miles and you know he can't get to the quarterback. Well, I guess he'd still get pressure, but he wouldn't get the sack. But everyone else who's one-on-one, they can't do anything because they're just not good enough. So anyways, basically what I'm trying to say is J.J. Watt is the answer to all of our problems. And if not him, hopefully it'll be Von Miller (laughs) or Curtis Weaver. Everyone knows I love Curtis Weaver a bunch, but uh, that's besides the point. Uh, As I said, J.J. is a little washed, but when you're a Hall of Fame talent, being a little washed still puts you one of the top guys in your position, right? Like, he's obviously not going to be the 20-sack-a-year type of guy, but he's still going to be a guy, as I said, draws attention and can help a lot because he's still going to be able to be a playmaker. So, at the end of the day, it's kind of perfect. (laughs) 
Great locker room guy, great personalities, not a guy who talks a ton unless it's about his team. You know, there was that one clip where he was like apologizing, apologizing to Deshaun about how bad the Texans were. And he's like, we wasted one of your years, man. I'm sorry. And it's like, damn, that's the guy we want. You know, it feels bad for the I think it was Jason Kelsey who said he feels bad most for the fans. It's like they pay to watch them. They suck. But anyways, <laughs> but no team is looking to him and saying, hey, you're our top pass rusher. Or at least no team should be thinking that, right? Teams should be looking to get him with the intentions of him being the number two as a guy to draw attention away from someone else. Like, let's say the Steelers, right? They have TJ Watt, his brother. That's why the Steelers are so enticing is because they have both of his brothers. But you have a guy like TJ Watt, and you're like, hey, we can draw attention away from him because basically all the other guys who would be drawing attention away are injured or are free agents, boom, perfect fit for JJ. I think JJ and Pitt, I think Pittsburgh was my initial prediction if he got cut. They said traded, I don't really know. But cut, probably Pittsburgh. And I could still kind of see it. It's just about if the money's right. And for the money, I'm not too sure where the money would be. I've heard that he wants to sign a one-year deal, which... I guess doesn't really shock me because I guess if he wants to get back into getting these big long-term contracts, having, you know, a one-year deal, get like, you know, 13 sacks or something, and then all of a sudden you can make your money again. But I think it'd probably be in somewhere between the realm of 6 and $10 million, which I guess is a pretty big range. But, I mean, for JJ, I would do that. If, you know, for the Browns, like a one-year $10 million deal, like who – who says no to that? People be like, I do. Like, well, you, you don't know what you're talking about, clearly. So, also some other guys that, or I guess one guy who I didn't really talk about when I talked about guys who could potentially be traded with the QB carousel is Sam Darnold. I think he's pretty enticing for a lot of teams, right? Like, he's a young quarterback who's always played in a trash situation. And I think with a lot of those guys, it's really worth taking the risk. You know, he was a top prospect at one point. He's only ever played in a bad situation. I think it'd be worth taking the chance if you really don't have a quarterback. But who's in that situation? If Darnold gets traded, it won't be until after the draft because teams would rather, you know, take a prospect that they can start with than have a guy who has been in the league for a while and has shown that maybe he's not all that good. But maybe with a second chance, but you know, you'd rather start with a guy who clean slate, brand new guy, that's who you want. So I think if he gets traded, it would likely be after the draft. But I could see, I would love to see him with the Patriots. I'd love to see him with the Steelers. You know, I want to see him in a situation, good culture, where he can sit, hopefully, I guess he wouldn't really sit in New England, but where he can sit behind a Hall of Fame type guy for a year and then come out that's also what i want to see for haskins and it's looking like he could potentially get that situation in pittsburgh but he also might get cut because he's on that one year not guaranteed deal but you know potentially what you could see is haskins get a guaranteed deal sit for a year and then going into the 2022 season we're living in the future every time i like think about years and like look in the future i'm like man we are really living in the future um, but going into the 2022 season to be in a QB battle with Mason Rudolph, potentially, 
or maybe potentially someone else, but someone he has to really compete and battle with. And also just throughout this season, or I guess technically next season's the new league year hasn't come yet. Um, fight and battle for that backup spot and really just compete. And I think at that point you look and you could see Dwayne Haskins as a guy who could turn his career around and same go for Sam Darnold. Just the situation has to be right. You know, like I think uh, Tampa would also be a pretty good situation where he's not going to start ever. He's just going to sit. And I thought Josh Rosen was in a pretty good spot when he was in Tampa, but then he got scooped up of a off the practice squad uh, by the 49ers. And he got an extension. Whether or not San Francisco, that's another team that's kind of confusing with their quarterback situation where it's like they could totally, you know, really use a new quarterback, kind of what the Rams did. Where it's like, yeah, you did lead us to the Super Bowl, but did you really, right? Like we could have done way more with a way better quarterback. And that's kind of the same situation with Jimmy G. I know Bleacher Report did a mock trade where I think it was like Sam Darnold for Jimmy Garoppolo in a fifth. And it's like, dang, who says no to that? Well, I guess the 49ers would because I don't think I would take that deal if I was the 49ers. But that's another situation where you could potentially see a QB switch, maybe with one of these high, you know, highly touted guys like uh, Carson Wentz, who I'll brush back up on a little bit and um Deshaun Watson I'd try to think of the other one uh I I think another situation that's interesting is like the Colts right because if they have a great quarterback it's like they're a really good team same go with the Bears but also you got you know Mitch Trubisky who's a free agent you could see a lot of teams looking to sign him potentially like maybe the Colts go for Mitch Trubisky and just kind of say yeah screw it let's see what happens Maybe the Patriots do. I really like Sam Darnold with the Patriots to the point that I've like bought myself into that completely. But I think the uh, Colts go for a guy who's a win-now type of guy, like Sam Darnold, who they did pursue, and Carson Wentz maybe, maybe not though, and then Deshaun Watson. I think that's kind of where the Colts should go. Uh, and as for Carson Wentz, as I've said in the last podcast, he'll get traded maybe, right? I think I, my hot take was none of the quarterbacks get traded. Who, who were the quarterbacks? I guess we'll never know. But <laughs> uh, Russell Wilson, that's it. And then um, the uh, report came out today that Russell Wilson won't get traded. But, yeah, I said my hot take was none of them get traded. And I'm going to stick to that, that none of them get traded. I already said that, you know, the report last week was that Carson Wentz was supposed to get traded before the end of the week. And I said, no, it won't happen. He won't get traded this week. In fact, he won't get traded, period. You know, and I still stand by that opinion that I don't think he'll get traded. I don't think any of the quarterbacks will get traded, which I guess everyone could have said Russell Wilson wouldn't get traded, right? That's no shock. Uh, But for Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz, it's a little bit of a shock. Anyways, it's beyond the point. So the Eagles is an interesting situation, right? Because it's mock draft season. Ever since the Browns got bounced out of the playoffs, I've been looking at mock drafts. And some have, like, the Eagles taking a quarterback. And it's like, why, right? I understand that, like, Jalen Hurts didn't look fantastic, but I don't think he looked bad enough for you to take a quarterback with the sixth pick in the draft, right? 
And if you're not taking a quarterback there, then you really shouldn't be taking a quarterback, period, unless someone big slips. So I don't understand why the Eagles would take a quarterback because, again, as I said, Jalen Hurts didn't look all that good, but he also didn't look all that bad, right? So why should you draft a quarterback that high and abandon on this guy who you only had for, like, what, 10, who only played 10 games or started 10 games, something in that, re- something in that realm? And really didn't look all that terrible in those games. Like, give him another year, bro. Oh, my God. It's not like he was uh, Deshaun Kaiser. We threw 11 touchdowns to 22 interceptions and 16 starts. That was bad. But Jalen Hurts did not look that bad. So, the Eagles, Sam Darnold, J.J. Watt, most importantly. Hopefully, he's on the Browns. Hopefully, next podcast, I'm talking about him being on the Browns. That also help us with a lot in the draft because then we won't need to draft at the end. We just be like, <laughs> forget that position. We'll we'll draft someone else, right? Because at that point, we don't need the depth because you got another guy, Curtis. You also got Curtis Weaver. Don't don't forget about Curtis Weaver. But MJ, who's Curtis Weaver? How dare you ask me who Curtis Weaver is? Listen, I have plenty of time because now we don't have that many topics, so I got time to talk. So, Curtis Weaver is a sack machine out of Boise. And I really wanted the Browns to draft him in 2020. I think we were projected to take him at one point early in the season when we had a good pick, something along those lines. Um, it was like a projected late fit, uh, late first, rather. Uh, and then going into the draft, his stock took a hit. I don't remember the exact reason, if there was an exact reason. But as I said, it was a sack machine, man. Uh, he ends up going fifth to the Dolphins. And I remember using him as a big kind of like key point for why I thought the Dolphins were going to be turned around. I was like, you know, it's great drag. I got Tua. I'm like, they got Curtis Weaver to anchor the defense late. Like, they're going to be nasty. And uh, then Curtis Weaver got injured. Uh, in training camp, or maybe it was an OTAs, one or the other, and they cut him. And then he went through waivers, and the Browns were like, got him. Yeah. And they were like, we played the long con. You know, we just weren't going to draft him, wait for him to get injured, then pick him up. And they picked him up, and they IR'd him right away. So he hasn't played all year. So he's basically a rookie. And as I kind of said, he has a ton of talent with him. So people stay sleeping on him, but don't sleep on him. For too much longer, man, because he's gonna he's gonna get that call up and he's gonna dominate. I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you, he's a beast. 22, he's a beast. So, when people say the DN position needs a ton of help, I wouldn't be too upset if they didn't address it and they just went Curtis Weaver's the truth because I'd be like, oh yes, he is. You're absolutely right, Andrew Barry. You're never wrong. Anyways, <laughs> there was my whole spiel with Curtis Weaver. Anyways. In basketball news, because I do that too, remember? Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin will not be playing with their respective teams anymore uh, as they await a trade or just a whole new team or a new situation, you know. Uh, so Drummond sat out last game uh, for rest. You know, My friend was saying, oh, doesn't that normally happen when guys are about to get traded? And I was like, yeah. Uh, you know, and I was like, the trade usually announced after the game. So let's just wait and see. And after the game, it was announced that he wouldn't play for us again while we look for a trade partner. Right away, 
basically right away, the Raptors came out as a potential partner. Um, you know, they were contacting us about Andre Drummond, but it's like, you know, with just how money is, it'd be difficult to make a trade with the Raptors considering they don't have too many big, um, big contracts that they'd be willing to move, right? Because their big contracts are Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, and Fred Van Vliet. They're not going to trade those guys for Andre Drummond, right? But what also sucks about having Drummond sit and say, you know, he's not going to play in an NBA game and, you know, until he's on another team is that we have no leverage in any deal, right? Because it's like, you have to trade him. You sat him and you said he will not play again, you know, until he's on a new team. So we have no leverage going into talks. And I don't see that market being too competitive for Drummond. I see a lot of people like, he's just going to get bought out and he's just going to sign with Brooklyn. And you're probably right. That is probably what's going to happen. But listen, he's going to ruin Brooklyn internally. It's the long con, man. Just like just like Andrew Barry, man, with Curtis Weaver. It's the long con. But let's be honest, that probably won't happen. They'll just win the championship. I'm joking. I'm still not high on Brooklyn. Don't worry about it. I don't change my opinions ever. So... I wouldn't hate if they bought out Drummond, right? Because it's not that big of a deal. It's not like he's on a multi-year contract. This is a one-year deal. You know, you'd owe him like $14 million or something in that region. And that would be it, right? Because you wouldn't really lose money because that's money you would have to owe him if he played the entire season. And, you know, he's just going to walk in free agency, right? So it's not like cutting Kevin Love where, you know, you're going to have to owe him like $100 million that's going to hit for the next 10 years. You know, it's just a one-year, get-it-over-with type thing. So it wouldn't be that big of a deal if we just cut him, but it'd be nice if we could get something for him because, yeah. Oh, man. Like, I, I remember saying, I really want to see them play together, Andre Drummond Jared Allen. And we did, and it was not good because after that trade, Drummond just, like, gave up. Before the, what, they, what they won't tell you is that <laughs> before that trade, Drummond was fantastic, man. He was great. He was all over the court. He was great. But then after that trade, he just stopped caring. Like there was no hustle, no heart, nothing. He just did not care. And that's what aggravated me so much is that he just didn't care. And it's like this whole team followed his suit because now like you watch the Cavs, like no one cares. No one hustles. No one is physical. No one cares except for Colin Saxton. Colin Sexton, the whole time, is sprinting full speed up and down the court like he's running suicides to try to prove to coach that he deserves this spot on varsity, right? That's what he does. He's 110% all the time. Everyone else is on a leisurely stroll through the park. You know, they're like the guy who guaranteed has their roster spot. They don't care. They're just jogging up and down the court, you know, being careless with the ball. And it is so aggravating to see. Because Colin Sexton has, you know, this heart and this mentality where he wants to win. But where Colin Sexton is, like, not good is he's not really a leader, right? He's not rallying these guys to follow him, to be as hardworking as him, or to be as, what's the word I'm looking for, aggressive and hustle whatever whatever however you get hustle into that properly right he he's not doing that so he's not much of a leader which 
I mean, call it whatever you want. The kid's a hard worker, but, you know, Kobe was a leader. Bron's a leader. They were all leaders. But Colin, like, no one's following his his example, which maybe it's because he's young. Maybe it's because he's not proven. Who? Maybe it's just because he's not pushing him. Who the hell knows? But it's just irritating to see. And that's my big thing with the Cavs is just no one cares. No one takes care of the basketball. No one knows how to play. Like, J.B. Bickerstaff, like, I love this man as a coach. His rotations make no sense. Like, why does he feel the need to, you know, within 10 minutes of tip-off, have every single person on the roster? Like, we run a 15-man rotation. What? And you might think, oh, MJ's over here exaggerating. I promise you, I'm not. Like, we run a 15-man rotation. We get to the, the depths of the bench and go, who are you? Suit up. You're going in, bud. Like, but, but you know, the game's tied six minutes in. I don't care. Get in there. Like, what? How does that make sense? But that's what we do. That's what JB does. Now, should, now I don't know. Like, I don't want to fire him. Or I don't, you know, want us to find a new coach. Because I think he is a really good coach. And I think he's a really great leader. And I think the players like him a bunch. But, like, what are these rotations? Like, you turn on a game and you're like, man, the game must be over because the Cavs have their bench in. And then you look and there's 9.59 remaining in the first. And you're like, what is going on? I ask myself that question every time I watch the Cavs. It's like so confusing, the rotations, right? Like Dean Wade. Dean Wade's most notable thing in his career was when Dwayne Wade posted about him and said, I saw D Wade and thought I was still playing for the Cavs or whatever he said, said, I hope he has a better career with Cleveland than I did or something like that. Whatever joke he made. That is the most notable thing Dean Wade has ever done is get the recognition from Dwayne Wade. Oh my God. And then like Lamar Stevens, is that his name? Oh my God. Now we got to consult Google real quick just to make sure Lamar Stevens Absolutely. Lamar Stevens. Basically our sixth man. What? Now a lot of this hurts because we traded Kevin Porter Jr. for a bag of potato chips. Which I mean I understand why we did it. But god dang man. Colin Sexton's out there. Sprinting around. No one else cares. And I feel like that irritates the hell out of Colin. And I wouldn't be too surprised if Colin requests a trade. Because that's what's going to happen, right? And I, th- I'm sh- I think Cavs fans hate Colin. I mean, I guess I kind of get it. No, I really don't get it, but whatever. I'm like, I think he's overhyped. How is he overhyped? How? Only Cleveland hypes this man up. No one else does. No one gives him attention. I really, he deserves to be an all-star. But, oh my God. And then... Isaac Okaro, man, kid can't shoot to save his life. You know how embarrassing it is for me as a Cavs fan to watch the game and just see teams just not guard us on the perimeter. Never, ever guard us on the perimeter, right? Colin's not a knockdown shooter. You know, he'll have his moments from three, but he's he's not a three-point shooter, right? Well, I guess you can kind of argue he is, but you know what I'm trying to say. You know, he's not Steph Curry. Same go for Darius Garland. Well, Darius Garland, I really think he can shoot the freaking ball, but he just doesn't shoot, right? 
he'll get the ball and he'll be wide open. Then he'll pump fake and then drive inside and do some stupid floater. Like, no duh, we generate the most paint points. That's all where we shoot the ball from, right? Like, it makes no sense. But, like, it's so embarrassing as a Cavs fan to watch the game and to see teams just go, ah, they can have the three and back up 15 feet, knowing that, knowing damn well we're going to try to drive inside of the basket and all five of the, you know, all five guys of the other team are just going to collapse inside. And we can't kick the ball out from the paint, right? Because every time I've seen one of us try, you know, one of the Cavs try to pass the ball out from the paint, it's been tipped and it was a turnover every single time. And even if we do get the ball out, Jetty Osman for three. Oh, wow. What a freaking great idea. And maybe it's just because we have no shooters because we don't. We don't have shooters. We don't have guys who can shoot the hell out of that ball. Even though I think Darius Garland can, for some reason, he just doesn't shoot. It just makes no sense to me. Here I am venting about this trash Cavs team. Oh, my God. And I can't wait for us to get the fifth pick again. And Isaac Okaro, I don't remember if I was about to talk about him. I was thinking about him, and I don't remember if I ever said his name. But Isaac Okaro, man. He's just, you know, offensively, he's terrible. Defensively, he's fine for a rookie. You know, normally rookies come in, they have a hard time on defense because, you know, they're adjusting to the speed and the overall talent. And he's been fine. The transition to defense hasn't seemed too big of a deal for him. But offensively, man, he's terrible. He's just awful. Like, all his points are generated around the basket. And some of them are nice. Like, he muscled his way in, right? Like, he's a rookie, and he's pretty strong for a rookie. But the amount of times in that Warriors game where it's like he just had the ball, had time to set his shot, because the Warriors were like, shoot it, I dare you. You know, and he had time to set his shot, got all ready, put up the three, and bricked it. It's just awful. Just awful. At that point, bro, just pass the ball. Like... <laughs> be that guy and pass up an open shot who cares anymore because you guys don't so anyways if Isaac O'Carroll could develop a good catch and shoot three point shot he could be great but he's just not doing that well I guess there's a lot of time but still there's my there's my Cavs rant that I promised uh so anyways Blake Griffin you know he might get traded too um same thing with Drummond though big contract um you know, I, Boston, I know, has been talking about Blake Griffin for like the last 30 years. Uh, I, I think Charlotte's a dark horse. You know, Charlotte could use a big, if they're, especially if they're going for win now. Blake Griffin's a Jordan athlete. Michael Jordan owns the team. I think it just makes a ton of sense for them to try to trade for Blake Griffin. Blockbuster guy, you know, can catch lobs from a LaMelo ball. What's more blockbuster than that, bro? LaMelo ball to Blake Griffin on Michael Jordan's team? Shoot, sign me up. I'll watch that game. So, I know I just gave, like, this super valid reason for why Blake Griffin should go to Charlotte. I'm just going to act like it was nothing. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. I just keep thinking about how bad the Cavs are, man. So, in the name of stretching this thing out to 30 minutes, because <laughs> every podcast I make has to be, in case you didn't know, every podcast I have to make, I would really ideally like it to be 30 minutes or more. Ideally, it'd be an hour, but I understand that it's just like 
can't talk about something for an hour because there's just not enough to talk about. So let's talk about the Browns. That's my team. No, let's honestly just talk about the Cavs, right? I was talking about basketball to end it. Let's just talk about the Cavs. Let's just go all the way, man. It's just so aggravating. <laughs> the worst part, like, we have good trade pieces, too. Like, you know, like the uh, the deadline gems, you know, like uh, Robert Covington, you know, guys like that. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, uh, Trey Burks, you know, uh, deadline gems, you know, guys or like championship teams will trade for these guys because they'll, you know, they'll boost your team, you know, with depth or at a position of need right away. And you'll be a better team with this guy on your team. Right. And we have a lot of those guys, right? We have JaVel McGee, who I think a lot of championship teams would overpay for. And kind of what makes a deadline gem a deadline gem is, you know, their ability and their contract, right? JaVel McGee is a pretty good center, right? A lot of teams would love to have him, even though I, obviously he's the shacked in a full unanimous MVP, but like, not going to lie, he is a little bit of a klutz, you know? It's like, he has the ball and he just kind of like, fumbles around like a baby deer and then like turns it over he does that kind of a lot um but he but he's a great player like i'm not gonna lie you know his his length is something that obviously is god-given and his ability to protect the rim and score around the rim are two great things as well but why why does he run fast breaks is my question right guys who don't watch the Cavs. We'll see, like, JaVel McGee run a fast break and then dunk the ball, and it's like a Bleacher Report highlight or something. People are like, man, he must, you know, he must either, like, never run the break, and, like, this is the one opportunity he did great, you know, or whatever. It's like, no, he runs the break pretty freaking often, and nine times out of ten, it's baby deer turn the ball over. That one time is a highlight. Like, cool, bro, freaking cool. Oh, my God. But he's a deadline gem because I think a lot of championship teams, especially if utilized correctly, could get a ton of use out of him. Like the Lakers. The Lakers. Plus he's on a cheap, you know, I think it's like $5 million or something like that. Uh, the Nets would love him. You know, I think a lot of teams would overpay for a JaVale McGee just because they'd want him. Tareen Prince is another guy, but he's also kind of on a bigger deal. So maybe not so much. But like those are two guys, you know, like especially Tareen Prince, you know, a three and D type guy. He could contribute right away to a to a championship team. But as for everyone else, good God, I would love if we traded Jetty Osmond too. He's just not good at basketball. He's not. Like man, just go sell stuff. Like be be a salesman. Like because basketball, like oh my God. Jetty, I think I already had this whole thing on the last podcast where I talked about how Jetty's like J.R. Smith, where when he gets hot, he's really good. But it's like when he sucks, he really sucks, you know. And, but at least J.R. Smith, when he sucked, he at least looked good doing it because he had a nice-looking jump shot, very clean, quick-release jump shot. Jetty's got this ugly jumper, you know. But, oh, good God. That's the Cavs. That's the Cavs. Who are we going to draft? Who the hell knows? Cade Cunningham? He won't be available at fifth pick. Besides, I think he's a guard, but isn't he like a 6'8 guard? Um, I think he's like 6'8, or at least kind of taller. Yeah, 6'8. Um, that's basically what I wanted LaMelo for. I was like, just play that boy at small forward. We'll all be good. 
but we obviously didn't draft LaMelo because you'd be seeing a lot more Bleacher Report highlights. What a fun experience. Anyways, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Uh, if you did, consider listening to some of my other podcasts. I, I, um, I do them weekly. Try to do them every Monday. Sometimes I'm a little bit inconsistent. Like last week, I did Wednesday, so I've been busy. Um, but I do them weekly. Uh, I cover football and basketball. That's all. Uh, obviously, sports news winding down. Podcasts can be a little bit shorter, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, I only ever listen to podcasts while I'm in my car driving to work. Not going to lie. But, you know, that's how it is. Um, my socials, by socials I mean social, my Twitter is uh, at Mike underscore Shrain 17. You know, Mike underscore Shrain, S-C-H-R-A-N, like the podcast, you know. Uh, I tweet occasionally, every now and again. About random stuff. Just whatever's going on in sports. Uh, when the NFL season's going on, I tweet a lot. Um, there have been times where I was almost about to tweet a lot about the Cavs. And I was just like, it's not worth it, man. It's really not worth it. It's the regular season. Don't let them ruin your day. And they always do. It's great. I love it. Steph Curry had, what, like 36 points or something? A guy tweeted, I saw a tweet, someone was like, how many threes do you think Steph's going to have? I, th- I think eight. And I was about to respond in all seriousness and go, I think he'll have 15. And honestly, how many threes did Steph Curry have? <laughs> now I'm curious. Because I said 15, or like, I, oh, I didn't tweet it, but I like, in all honesty, thought 15. And like, I feel like I was not far off whatsoever. Who are these losers? Oh, these are the Cavs. Um, Stephen Curry. <gasps> he only had... Th- oh, that's free throws. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Just give me a second. Just give me a second to recoup from that. Oh, my God. Okay, he had seven. So the guy who initially tweeted it was actually pretty close. He went seven for 11. Store. Yeah, I saw free throws, and I thought that was three points for a second. Yeah, I was like, three? I was like, oh. he for sure had more than three. So anyways... That's my Twitter. I also tweet whenever I post a podcast for the first time. Uh, shout out Dea, who always retweets it. Gives me some free clout. You know, love her to death. Um, that's just about it. Don't want to miss a podcast. Just follow me, man. I'll probably follow you back, especially if you're a Browns fan page. I, I love just, like, seeing what those guys have to say. I don't ever respond, though. Right? Like, I'll, I'll think. Like, I'll read something. Like, if you're a Browns fan page, you listen to this. I love you. Um... I'll read your tweets and I'll just like think to myself and sometimes I type it out and I'm like, nah, so I just don't tweet. Right. And I like, I'd love to have a full engaged interaction with some of these people, but doesn't matter. Anyways, hope you guys enjoyed listening. I'll see you next week. Maybe with a mock draft and have a nice day or night, depending on when you're listening to this. Bye.